and welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. My name is Beth Shank, nurse scientist and sustainability leader in Missoula, Montana. On the podcast, I interview nurses working at the intersection of health and environment. Today on the podcast, I'm visiting with Hermine Levy-Weston, who has been a nursing leader of environmental stewardship and healthcare for many years. It is a delight to hear Hermine describe her interesting career path and share her wisdom on nurses as effective change agents. Hello, and I'm so pleased to be able to speak today with Hermine Levy-Weston. I've been wanting to talk with Hermine for a while, and today is the day. So Hermine, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for inviting me, Beth. I'm glad to be here. You bet. Well, you've had a very interesting role in the past, I don't know, decade or so. And please tell us about your nursing career and how you got to where you are. Thanks. Thanks very much. And thanks for the opportunity to uh, talk to my fellow nurses that are concerned with the environment. And I will say that today of our, the date of our interview is Earth Day. So uh, happy belated Earth Day to everyone that's that listen, is listening to the call. I started my nursing career uh, pretty early. When I was 15 years old, I worked in my father's dental office. He was an oral surgeon. And I worked there just uh, scrubbing surgical instruments and helping patients as they were recovering uh, from uh, general anesthesia after they had their, their teeth pulled in my dad's office. Um, he had a wonderful nurse that he worked with, and she was very inspirational to me, and I, I thought that I wanted to be like her uh, when I was ready to start my career. But I took a circuitous route. Uh, I studied environmental uh, studies and environmental education at the University of Vermont, and I worked on a dairy farm or two in Vermont uh, in my early 20s. And uh, I decided I needed to have some income security, so I went back to school and got a, uh, a, a registered nursing degree. Uh, and from uh, I got my degree back in 1979, and I went and I worked uh, medical surgical uh, for my first couple of years of practice, and then I worked at the Shriners Hospitals for Children in Springfield, Massachusetts. And at the uh, Shriners Hospital, uh, I did, you know, surgical recovery, uh, you know, medical care. Uh, and then eventually I worked into quality management, regulatory compliance, physician credentialing. And somehow or another, it evolved into working on uh, the environment of care in the Joint Commission regulatory standards. And uh, my interest and my abiding interest in environmentalism came to the front when we were starting to talk about hazardous waste, regulated medical waste, and toxic chemicals in the hospital. And it just sort of gave me a resurgence of my interest in all things environmental. And then from there, uh, I was asked to uh, start a green team in the hospital, and it was just a one of those grassroots uh, efforts where I went around with a clipboard and started asking different departments what they were doing for recycling and what they were doing for their supplies and, and the the, um, the composition of the cleaning chemicals, the waste uh, management in the kitchen in terms of of um, perhaps the idea that we might be able to compost some of the food waste and uh, decrease our environmental footprint at the hospital. So I added to my very long list of things that I did in my hosp uh, hospital career at the Shriners uh, into dumpster diving. So I was uh, really looking in the dumpster to, to make sure that we weren't um, throwing things away uh, that could be recycled and um, looking for other opportunities to have a more sustainable hospital. 
Wow, that's that's really interesting. And, and, you know, you raise a good point that so often it happens from grassroots interest, someone like yourself who has prior experience or interest, but you were also asked by your leaders to do this. Why, why do you think that was? Well, you know, that's a great question. Uh, I, and I thought about it a, a lot over the, the ensuing years. My The administrator of the hospital, I had read an article, I think in Forbes magazine, that healthcare was becoming more sustainable and that hospitals were able to decrease their environmental footprint and at the same time, of course, save money. You know, you can go green and get green. And he was intrigued by that whole way of looking at the revenue cycle, if you will. Uh, and this is going back about 10 years ago. And he knew that I was, you know, a committed, uh, um, you know, recycler. And I was always asking questions about these things. And he asked me to head up uh, the, the committee. And so I did. But and it did. It came from leadership. You're absolutely right. Cool. And so, so then I don't know how you then got to practice green health. Well, that's great. Another really interesting, like a little turn in the road. And there always are turns in the road. Um, the Shriners Hospital, where I had worked for close to 27 years, was having a lot of financial difficulties. And there was some threat uh, to the hospital closing. And I had worked there for a very long time. And it was very much like family to me. And I was like, what am I going to do if I lose my job? And my adult children, they were both had graduated from college at the time. One of my daughters said to me, mom, what have you done that you really love? Could you do more of that in another career? And I said, gosh, what a great way to think about it. I said, yeah, I really loved the green team. I loved what I did for environmental stewardship. And she said, well, can you do that? And I said, well, I think I can, but I do not feel like I have the credential for doing that. I don't feel like I know enough. I need to educate myself more, which I think is a purely nursing uh, uh, thing. We always, we're lifelong learners. We always want to learn something more and have more skills before we start to apply them. You don't want to go running blind into something. So again, my wise daughter said to me, well, what would you need to do in order to make that happen? I said, well, I think I need a master's degree, perhaps in business with a focus on environmental stewardship. And so I set about researching and finding programs. And I found the ideal program uh, pretty much in my backyard. I live in Western Massachusetts, and this program was in Keene, New Hampshire, was Antioch University, New England. And they had a sustainable uh, MBA program. Uh, and I enrolled in that program, and I worked full-time and went for to this executive program where you go weekends. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every month, and I did that for two years. And at the end of the day, I... Uh, had an MBA in organizational management with a focus on environmental stewardship. And my thesis was on greening the healthcare industry. And uh, as part of my uh, thesis and my research, I interviewed the executive director of Practice Green Health. And when I interviewed her, she mentioned that there was a job available at Practice Green Health and asked me if I wanted to apply. And I said, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and here I am seven years later, Beth, talking to you. That's awesome. What a great, great story of identifying uh, intention and goals, taking the right steps, and then look at the opportunity that opened up. That's really a great uh, story for other people who may be wondering, you know, similarly, how do I get into that kind of work? What is needed? And it, it may not be that everyone has as direct a path as you ended up kind of having, but that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think a lot of things aligned 
at the same time uh, to uh, enable me to uh, join Practice Green Health, where I get to work with hospitals all over the country, all kinds of people in the hospitals uh, about you know, greening everything from the supply chain through uh, greening the operating room and healthier foods. It's re- it's very interesting. I learn something new every day, and I get to talk to inspiring people such as yourself. And it's it's just a great way to keep your your mood up um, and have hope for the future. Yeah, you bet. Uh, let me let me explore a little bit more with you in terms of the uh, education path. So so one thing I often ask people is why? How does nursing help inform this work? How does it help? Uh, help you with communication skills, with data, with, you know, the different, I mean, your background is really well suited because you were in quality and in uh, compliance and in regulatory issues. All of those are key features of running a sustainability program. So I'd like to just talk a moment or contrast a little bit your MBA education, especially one focused on sustainability and your nursing skills. How how do you make sense of that as as those two uh, come together to uh, help you be prepared. So I think that the nursing background is a discipline. Uh, One thing that we as nurses are very, very good at is asking questions of our patients and listening to their answers. So that skill set is transferable. Well, I mean, listening to to our patients and, and then, of course, applying actions to help patients feel better, to have maximum health, to survive and get through whatever particular physical trial they're going, whether it's in the operate, whether it's in in a uh, medical environment or a surgical environment or out in community health, this is something that we are um, we are trained trained to do that um, that assessment and the planning and the follow up and then looking at the metrics. It, it's it's sort of hardwired and baked into nursing education and into our practice. And how that is applied to what I did in graduate school, in the master's school, absolutely, you know, I I applied it all. I did my assessment. Where did I want to go to school? I did my planning. I applied for the school. And then I went and I did it. And then the the outcome of all of that was that I was able to uh, change my career, have what I call, I've called an echo career. And it's my eco echo career, uh, tongue firmly planted in my cheek. Uh, and it's it's enabled me to uh, uh, apply my nursing skills in just so many different ways. And and there is that intersection. I do love that where there's that intersection of when I say to a leader in a hospital that's not a nurse or that is a clinician, when I say that I'm a nurse, there's almost instantly a recognition of my expertise. Even if I don't have all of the answers, there's that credibility that comes along with saying that you're a nurse. And it has just been very valuable and very important to practice green health and our, my sister organization, Healthcare Without Harm, uh, in terms of being able to scale up the scope and the mission of the work that we do. Well said. That's um, I echo that completely. Just in terms of being able to it's knowing something about communicating with people at all different educational levels mm-hmm. and um, the sort of instant trust that we benefit from. It's really a kind of kind of awe inspiring. Um, so along these lines, I'd just like to clarify I, I, what different people I talk with, how they would answer this question. Why is environment and environmental health a nursing issue to you? 
Oh gosh, it, it hits on on so many so many different levels. Well, first of all, uh, we only have one planet. And when I was growing up in, in Akron, Ohio, the sky was full of toxic odors and toxic smoke. The waters were polluted. I saw the Cuyahoga River catch on fire. I know that there is what, what I like to refer to as eco-apartheid, that in the poorest communities uh, in the United States of America, we are, we are dumping toxic waste. We are incinerating uh, toxic waste and it goes up into the atmosphere and it combines with the um, with moisture and it comes back down and settles onto the planet Earth where it goes into the food chain and and into the waters, of course, and water pollution. And there are environmental effects of this kind of pollution. And so uh, as, as a nurse who cares about her, the health of her community, when I think about what hospitals are doing to not only promote health, but at the same time, oftentimes, they're, they're um, uh, using a lot of energy, they're using a lot of water, they have a huge impact on the supply chain. They're oftentimes uh, the largest uh, employer in the community, and even if they're not the largest employer in the community, everybody in the community, at one way or another, has some kind of relationship with the healthcare institution, whether it's a small critical access hospital or a major metropolitan academic medical center. So the impact of healthcare on the environment is huge. It's a large part of the economy of the United States of America, and it's growing. So as a nurse, not to pay attention to the effect that my industry, and healthcare is an industry, that my industry, our cl clinical impact, um, can have on our communities is, um, I, I just think it, it's quite obvious. And it's interesting, Beth, when people ask me what I do and I explain it in that way, they go, oh, they get it. You know, at first the people are a little puzzled, but when you when you frame it that way, that hospitals have a positive or a negative effect on the environment and that they need help and support in doing it, it really does, it, it resonates with people. Yeah, you really said it well. I My experience has been that when I talk about the pollution from hospitals itself, so practice issues, um, you know, the amount of energy we use, et cetera, people really do get that. When I talk with them a bit more about what you're saying a little bit is in terms of the voice of healthcare and the influence of healthcare, and it's not just nursing, but other clinical professions as well as hospitals themselves, then I get a little more pushback about, well, we, we're not, we're not going to wade into that, or we're not going to, you know, be outspoken about that. Um, you know, that's not the case with every individual, of course, but sometimes that's a little bit harder. And yet you've identified, I think, so well, the um, impacts that healthcare has, and therefore, in my way of seeing it, the obligation healthcare has to protect health in this larger sense. What, what are your thoughts about that? Well, well, absolutely. You know, we have at Practice Green Health and, and at Healthcare Without Harm, our, 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 our statement is almost like our motto, which is do no harm. But beyond do no harm is promote wellness. So how can we as nurses uh, talk to our patients or, you know, work with our communities, internal as well as external communities, to promote health and well-being? Can we rid our, our, um, our uh, food systems of poultry and, and pork products that are laced with antibiotics? You know, and, and 
can we have an impact in our hospitals to say, we want to only provide our patients and our staff and our visitors with antibiotic-free animal products to promote uh, a decrease in antibiotic resistance. It's a huge problem. It's it, in, in our, my children's generation, I fear for uh, superbugs and what we have done uh, in, in, our, in, in the world uh, and specifically in, in, uh, in healthcare, you know, what can we do to promote a better environment to promote health? And that's one, one way that we can do it. And then, of course, as nurses, beyond just taking care of patients and looking at the way we're doing our, um, our day-to-day work in the hospitals, we're on the forefront of climate change and climate resilience uh, in, in our hospitals. When I think about, Beth, you know, when I think about NYU Langone in 2012 and Superstorm Sandy, and I see those photographs of nurses with um, uh, small flashlights in their teeth with ambu bags, with the neonates going down the back stairs to get these babies out to a hospital because they had no power because of the um, the power outage in the largest one of the largest hospitals in the world. It, it I get chills even today. You know, seven years later, I still have chills uh, thinking about that. So we we are on the front lines, and we we must. We, I, I really feel that it's it's in a it's a nursing nursing imperative. Yeah, well said. I, I couldn't agree more. Um. I want to back up a little bit to when you were talking about food, because this is this is a great example. And then I want to come back to climate. Um, I often say what I see around the nation in terms of nursing involvement with these different sustainability issues, the ones that are really in in the reach of nurses are easier to get um, nurses action, uh, you know, moving on, I suppose, or get them to understand their role. Those might include a lot of waste issues and linen issues and uh, chemical exposure issues in their practice site. Then kind of the next ring out might be food. They're not responsible for the food, but they're really often interested in food. And what I've seen on the ground is uh, uh, nurses really engage with healthy food, local food, sustainable food, CSAs, gardens, um, uh, supporting local food banks, etc., And I wondered if you have a, a good way to think about why it makes sense for nurses to be involved with food and nutrition, particularly, even though it's really not in their immediate scope. Well, I, I actually have an alternative view of that. I feel that food is in, in our, our scope. You know, we, we, are a per, we are responsible for an overall, I feel, an overall health of our patients. And eating is a very big part of it. And it may not be such a huge part for a patient that's ill in the hospital, uh, post-surgical, because oftentimes the length of stay is pretty short. But if you think about promotion of health after that patient goes home, what are they going to be eating in terms of promoting health to prevent them from coming back in the hospital with diseases of obesity, again, or having... um, God forbid, a methicillin-resistant staph aureus that they go home with um, and have to take higher-level antibiotics that can also cause um, terrible um, uh, consequences for th- for them long-term. So I really think that the, the food issue is part of it. I have a great example, Beth, if, if I can share it. Sure. 
Boston Medical Center in, in, in Boston is a major teaching academic medical center, and it's right down in the heart of Boston. And it has, there's very little green space. You know, maybe they've got a, 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 a potted plant outside on the ground. But what they did is they converted the whole rooftop of one of their buildings into a working farm. Now, I'm not talking about some flowers in a pot and some herbs being planted. I'm talking tons of vegetables that get um, that are grown in Boston in the northern climate um, in the summertime. So spring, summer, and fall, they have a, um, a a wonderful working farm, and they take those vegetables and they have a food prescription program, so that a patient that's discharged from the hospital or might have diabetes can come to their um, their food pantry that they have in the hospital, and they have a prescription that's culturally and medically appropriate for that patient. And they can come in and get fresh vegetables that are grown right on the roof of that garden. And if they don't have the capacity to get as much off the roof, they get them from local farms uh, in the season, and they go home for free with fresh fruits and vegetables, as well as staples that they might need to um, create a, a whole meal, such as rice and, and um, cereals and things like that. So it's, it, it's, it's a, I, I can't say that it's entirely in the nursing purview for doing that, but nurses are up in that garden. They're volunteering. They're getting engaged with their, with their employer. They love it. They bring their children. They have a camp in the summer. It's just a, a wonderful way to, um, to enhance the working environment. And people will come on their lunch breaks and sit in the garden and just enjoy uh, watching things grow. So it's, it's a, I, I do think it's, it's part of the nursing practice. Yeah, you bet. And, and um, that's such a, dis, a wonderful description of a really leading example. So a nation and probably an internationally leading example. And uh, I have seen that as well, that nurses do gravitate toward it and do uh, uh, enjoy it and experience it. And also, sometimes it's outside of their reach in terms of moving an entire food and nutrition or facilities, um, you know, department to help create that sort of thing. But but we always work work together. That's another thing nursing does. Um, let, let's translate that conversation to climate. You know, you talked about some of the um, adaptation needs that we need to really be aware of, like, for instance, if there's flooding or if there's power outages or if there's wildfires out in the West where I am, what is nursing's obligation to be to prepare for that? But I also want to explore what are your thoughts on what can nurses do in healthcare to mitigate climate from transportation and commuting to um, efficiency in the um, clinics and hospitals? Well, I think from my background in working with the Shriners Hospital, one of the things that I did for many, many years was I, I was involved with the environment of care. And part of that is emergency preparation. And I think uh, nurses, uh, as well as other members of their team, must put climate resiliency on the table and talk about what will be done to provide patient care, adequate staffing, adequate supplies in the event of these um, drastic natural disasters and emergencies that seem to affect uh, communities. Uh, again, you know, there's just way, unfortunately, there's way too many examples of when this happens. Uh, you think about, you, you mentioned the fires. I think about uh, Kaiser Permanente in um, 
Sonoma County in California, they were encircled in flames and people, the nurses and the physicians were taking patients in their cars and driving them to safety. So do we have, the nurses can ask these questions. What will we do when all other systems are starting to fall apart around us? What is that next step that we would need to take to keep ourselves, if we cannot operate in place, if we do have to evacuate, how can we safely do that? And really take, uh, unfortunately, uh, their imagination and take it to the very bottom, the worst thing that can happen, and what are you going to do? Because these, these, are, these are real life examples. It's not like it isn't happening. And I'm afraid it might be happening with more frequency. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think uh, we're, we're learning a lot just by opening our eyes to what's happening uh, around our coasts and in our inland areas, too, with the flooding in the Midwest and the um, fires in the West. And, and so what about, and I think that's great advice, and also, uh, to my knowledge, emergency preparedness teams at hospitals are full of nurses. So I yeah. do hope that, that nurses are asking these questions as well as facility staff. So what do you think on the mitigation side? What do you see that nurses can do in healthcare to help drive down the greenhouse gases? So there's a there's a many 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 uh, entrance points, and Beth, I know that you're going to agree with me when we talk about education. I think that's the first uh, the first entrance point is to raise awareness and educate nurses about the effects of climate change on population health. Uh, we have this. Uh, Ani has the nurses uh, climate challenge, which has some ready made. A wonderful set of, of slides and resources to help nurses educate one another and engage one another in these critical conversations about this particular uh, topic that we're talking about. So education is part of it. Uh, it can be something fun like Earth Day. Uh, can nurses be engaged and involved with Earth Day. And I, I like to say that every day is Earth Day because, you know, every day we wake up on this planet. But there are special times of the year where nurses can get engaged. You can do it on Nurses Day. You can do it on Earth Day. There's America's Recycle Day. There's Earth World Water Day. There's just a number of days that are, have been designated uh, and set aside to raise awareness and to educate one another about these things. You could, uh, nurses can organize uh, discussion groups, um, journal clubs uh, within, you know, within their practice. You can use an environmental project, whether it's reducing waste or reducing toxic chemicals or looking at DEHP and PVC in your neonatal intensive care unit um, to have a, uh, an exemplar for a magnet uh, designation. So there's a lot of things that nurses can do internally for environmental stewardship. And in terms of climate mitigation, there's it's everything from waste management, waste reduction. Can you help your hospitals talk about food waste? You know, methane from food waste is, is a huge um, opportunity in hospitals. What can we do to decrease food waste and have less food going into the landfill, whether it's um, going right from uh, uh, room service, what we can do to have patients just ordering what they want when they want it, to catering, making sure that you're only serving the, the amount of food that you need and the way you're cutting and preparing the food, to um, at the very end of the cycle, can you uh, give food to hungry people? Can you give food to animals? Uh, can you uh, give get food in food waste into uh, the landfill, uh, away from the landfill and into composting? 
So that's one way. The other way is supply chain. Think about what we're ordering. So if you can think about everything from resource extraction to packaging and distribution, and again, that end of life, that is a way to decrease your greenhouse gas uh, in, in, your, in your hospitals and decrease your environmental footprint. So if you're thinking about, if you're in the operating room, nurses should have conversations with the anesthesia staff about their inhaled anesthetic gases because there are certain anesthetic gases such as desflurane, which has a higher greenhouse gas warming potential than other inhaled anesthetics. And then of course, what can you do to decrease single, single occupancy vehicles? You what can you do to uh, promote carpooling? That, that's a harder nut to, to, to get uh, to, to crack, but it, there are ways that nurses can work together uh, because they're really uh, some of the largest uh, numbers of people that are employed in hospitals. So what can nurses do to encourage others to carpool? Great, great ideas and great advice um, because you make the point, I think, in discussing this that it's all related. And our overuse of resources and our, you know, abundant production of waste is a driver of climate change. We don't have to only focus on uh, what, how much energy are we using and where does the energy come from, though that too is important. Um, have you had any experience with nurses who are doing, um, ma taking steps in their practice sites to actually reduce energy use? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think nurses... Uh, are not involved as much with facilities and engineering, uh, but there is. It's important if nurses are on a, uh, a practice committee where you're looking at the products that you're purchasing. Uh, you do want to make sure that the the electronics, whether it's for the computers or uh, the printers and, and things like that, are are of the highest energy star rating uh, that they can possibly be. And there's a a rating called EPEAT. Uh, and forgive me, Beth. I don't remember exactly what the EP stands for. I feel like I'm I'm got it on the tip of my tongue, but I can't share it. But these are this is a designation that says that the equipment that you're purchasing has the highest energy um, rating that you can possibly have. And then working with your IT program to make sure that you're not uh, using um, energy unnecessarily uh, in areas with, that aren't being used in the hospital. So this is including, you know, occupancy sensors, looking at your HVAC setbacks in your operating rooms and in your in your laboratories to make sure that your air exchanges are safe for the patients that are being taken care of, but that you're not doing um, too many air exchanges when there's no patients in the room. So most hospitals are running their ORs uh, Monday through Friday. And occasionally they'll have one or two that'll be open for emergencies, but many of the operating rooms are shut down overnight and on the weekends and on holidays. So what can you do to work with your engineering staff? Again, you can work through your EOC committees, your environmental care committees to um, have those critical conversations. Terrific. Those are all such great tips for nurses who sometimes don't know how to maneuver through, you know, the different um, divisions and teams and departments in healthcare, though nursing leaders generally do. So I think it's a good reminder for nursing leaders to be able to help clinical nurses, nurses who are interested from the grassroots to do that sort of work. And I agree that the grassroots is so important. I think back to my time at the Shriners Hospital, the, the poor engineers, I'd walk in, I'd walk in their room with my hands on, on my hips and they'd say, oh no, here comes for me. <laughs> and I'd say, I walked in, it's 90 degrees outside, it's noon and you're watering the front lawn. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. That's right. 
It's what being we an do. advocate. Yeah. My goodness. Well, Hermine, we've already talked for a half hour. It's amazing. It's so fascinating to talk to you and listen to um, your experience and your knowledge. I, I have just a couple follow-up questions. One, one of which is, did you ever think back when you were either helping your dad when you were a teenager or even in your early years of college in environmental studies that both of those things would come together so well in, a, in what's become a beautiful career? No, I did not. That's such a good question. I could not have imagined it. And that's perhaps that's good advice for any young person today. You never know what path is going to, you know, go in front of you. You're going to follow your path. You're going to follow your dreams. And it's so important just to keep your eyes open and the wonder open in your life so that you can be um aware of opportunities as they present themselves. Sometimes things present themselves as a challenge. I thought I was going to lose my job and I took that opportunity to educate myself and and to sort of rekindle some early interests. And uh, it's it's been a delightful career. Yeah, and, and really you've, you're, you've left a mark and you have learned so much and taught so much. And, and I, my, my follow-up question is related you are an energetic person. You're obviously motivated for this work. Is there something else that you would identify as a real seed for motivation for you that might be helpful to others? When I was in graduate school, we I had the wonderful opportunity to go on a sustainability journey to Sweden, to Stockholm. And part of that journey, we went to a waste sorting plant. And at that waste sorting plant, they had this very high-tech uh, equipment where they sorted their food waste in one, they sorted their, you know, all of their large electronics and refrigerators and things were somewhere else. And it was highly, um, highly automated. And after we went through and it was rather stinky. And, you know, and after we finished doing that, we sat down in a very Swedish way in a beautiful conference room with coffee and cake. And the head of the waste management treatment, uh, the, the head of the, the operation stood up there and did a presentation in the opening of his presentation he had a picture of his grandchildren and he said I wanted to share with you why I do this work so to answer your question I do this for our grandchildren I do it for I have two grandchildren I do it for them I didn't have two grandchildren when I started this work but I do now but I do it for the next generation and that's what sustainability is I want to leave this planet in as and in good enough shape that there will be natural resources for generations to come. Nicely said. Thank you so much. Hermine, is there anything else you'd like to say today? I just want to say thank you very much to my brothers and sisters in the nursing profession. Uh, I want to say thank you to Ani, and I want to say thank you to you, Beth, for uh, the opportunity to speak with you today about some of the things that float my boat. And uh, Hopefully, we'll continue to float my boat for, for many years to come. Thanks so much. Thank you, Hermine. Wasn't that great? It was a pleasure talking with Hermine. Her energy and commitment are infectious. And thank you all for listening to this and other episodes of the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. Check us out at environ.org where you can find the podcasts. And please leave a review for us wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you next time. <laughs>